history of championships, Super Bowls, World Series, and college football national championship games like the one we'll have tonight. Alabama and Ohio State tied in their fifth title match in six years as Saban goes for his record seventh championship. Ohio State. Yes, sir. All right, guys. So welcome into our national championship live show. Welcoming them in. USA Today columnist Dan Wolken. Dan, welcome on to the show. Appreciate you so much for hopping on. I know you're extremely busy. We'll try to keep it short. Um, saw your article today. First question, did you even how, – how did this season play out compared to what you thought was going to be in your head when everything was going down this summer? Well, I'm not sure anyone had a real good grasp of what it was going to be like. Um, you know, I think just the one thing that I felt – was that it was going to be hard, you know, it was going to be, it was going to be tough. And, and I think it was, I, I think for everybody involved in, in trying to play college football this year, there was just a lot of week to week stress and complication and, and a lot of, a lot of work that just went into to get into the point of playing. And then even then you were at the mercy of what was going to happen with the other team. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was a real undertaking and, um, you know, I didn't have any expectation of how many games would or wouldn't be played I, just because there was no way to really guess. But, uh, you know, I think certainly, um, you know, I think certainly uh, it was uh, it was very much it, it happened because there was a commitment to make it happen. And because there was a willingness on the part of the schools to to and the part of the conferences to, to take a risk. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And and they, they were able to get to the finish line. Perfect. James, or what do you got anything real quick? Yeah. So before we dig into the game tonight, um, kind of the first question on everybody's mind, do you think in your opinion, the uh, college football playoff committee got it right with the four teams they selected? Yeah. I mean, there's always when you can go back and look at it every single year and say, well, the semifinal game wasn't, uh, it wasn't very close or wasn't good. So they should have put a different team in. But that's not really a fair way to do it. I mean, you, you, based on the, the criteria that the committee put forward, um, it, it, the four teams were very consistent with everything that's happened since the beginning of this playoff. So obviously there was controversy around Ohio State because they only played the six games. But at the end of the day, I, I think um, I think they proved they're one of the best four teams. Sure. James, you got one or – uh, sorry. Yeah, back on I guess on the the selection committee, it doesn't feel to you like they were they've been inconsistent. You know, with Ohio State's eye test, um, Notre Dame's resume, ignoring you know kind of the eye test of the losing by twenty four uh, the week before selection. It, it didn't feel any kind of inconsistencies there with what mattered on the different resumes. No, I mean, they, look, uh, I mean, this is sort of irrelevant at this point, but Notre Dame when you look at the fact that they had a win over Clemson plus a win over another team that was in the top 15 in North Carolina, uh, they, they had the best resume uh, clearly, you know, and um, should they have been penalized for the fact that they had to play a conference championship game? I mean, who else would you put in there? Um, you know, I certainly could have said, Hey, put Cincinnati in because they were undefeated. But other than that, I mean, who else would, was really qualified to be in there? 
I mean, yeah, there's the two people are going to argue, uh, uh, back and forth about who the, everybody has their own agendas and, and whatnot. Um, but the real question I wanted to ask was, are you a proponent for keeping it at four, expanding it, going back to two? Cause I've heard a lot more of the going back to two recently. Well, it's not going to go back to two. I mean, right. it's just, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, it's going to expand, you know, I, I think, you know, they, they've done this now for seven years and they've figured out that, um, all the focus goes to the playoff, which, you know, is good in some ways and bad in others. And, but the way to keep the rest of the sport engaged and involved is to expand the playoff and, and make all make more games in the regular season meaningful because teams in, you know, the PAC 12 or, uh, may even maybe the group of five, like all those games are going to matter in terms of who gets in. So um, it's, you know, I think there's just, it's going to go through a transition period and there's going to be a change in, in the paradigm, but I, I don't think anyone is, is going to go backwards. You know, the playoff is, is here and it's, it's going to command all the attention. And so um, the only way to balance that with keeping a lot of more teams in the, in the game or, keep a lot more teams relevant is to expand it yeah so so if you were if you were the they made you the deciding factor and you got to choose the size of the of the um, playoff what's your ideal number oh i don't know i mean 8 12 16 do whatever you want to do i i at this point like i'm just kind of whatever whatever it is whatever they want to do i'm i'm cool yeah gotcha Are, are you in arlington right now i guess I'm in Miami. The or Miami, Miami, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Miami. So, uh, what's the atmosphere like? Is what's I don't remember seeing exactly how many they're letting in the stadium. Uh, what's it like down in Miami? I mean, there really hasn't been much of an atmosphere. Uh, I was outside the stadium earlier. There's, you know, certainly there's several thousand fans who are going to be in the in the building tonight. But it's it's you know certainly um, you know it's not a real national championship game type of crowd. And you know, there were people out, out outside and stuff, but. Um, it's just kind of the way this year has gone. Like there's, there's not really like big game atmospheres for, for any of these games. Right. Um, you know, so it's hard to even describe, but it's kind of like every other, every other game this year. I mean, there's, you know, there's little groups of fans and then uh, a bunch of empty seats and more groups of fans. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be some noise and stuff and you'll be able to hear them on the field, but it's, it's not exactly the same. So uh, before, before we make it, get into the game itself one last question um i was reading your column and i, I was trying to pick up i so the charlotte coach kind of got me on mixed feelings and i was wondering do you think the season was worth it after doing all that research and writing that article well i mean i think it's just complicated i think i think the point i was trying to, to impart is that more than any other season in, in college football that we've ever seen teams experienced this in in vastly different ways you know typically when you go through a season everyone is everyone's playing their season and you, you know you kind of the way you feel about it is determined by how successful you were and this year that was not really the way that that most people experienced it it was a tough tough slog for a lot of these teams and um you know i was just sort of highlighting one team that just had a terrible terrible run of luck and and it was very hard and it was very emotional and just, just to, to say, look, I mean, this was there was a wide variety of, of things that happened this year, and, and they're all part of the mix in, in determining, you know, the, the success or failure of, of, of trying to play in a pandemic. Yeah. 
and, and, you know, coming from the SEC, we had 20% capacity in most of the Big 12 games as well. Um, and, and so, I mean, it was obviously different for us on our side of the spectrum, but, you know, that article really opens it up to realize it wasn't all – and, you know, we had cancellations and everything down here, but it would seem more of a, you know, just a nuisance at the time. And until the end of the season, you just assumed they were all going to be made up. And, and that article did a really good job of just kind of showing – showing like we all thought we needed football and everything, but it was also not, you know, it took a toll on everybody involved to get it to come out. And I just want to let you know, I really appreciate it. It was a good read and, and very good uh, article right there. But before we let you go, how are you feeling the night before the injuries? And then how are you feeling now? Well, I mean, about the same. I, look, I, I thought from the beginning that Ohio State was going to be up against it a little bit in, in terms of, their defense matching up against Alabama. Alabama has not really been stopped by anybody uh, up to this point. So, you know, for me, this game has always been about Ohio State. Can their offense keep pace? And can they maybe find a way to steal a possession here or there, whether that's, you know, a fake, a trick play, or what, whatever it is, right. um, you know, can they just kind of hang around and, and try to match them score for score? It's going to be hard to do, it, it, but, you know, certainly when you look at just man, man for man from a talent perspective, you know, Ohio State's got almost as much skill talent as, as Alabama. So hopefully that means it's going to be a really interesting game. But I, I just kind of tend to think Alabama's got a little bit more. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at on it. Guys, you have anything else so you can get back yeah. to it? Uh, real quick, uh, Sean Wade made comments that he wants to he wants Smith and he wants to take him one-on-one basically all game. Do you think he can hang and is that, is that going to be the downfall of Ohio State if they let him play one-on-one with him? Well, it's – I think for a defensive coordinator, it's tough in terms of how you're going to play it, you know, and, and maybe that's the way to, maybe that's the way to play it. You know, you put a guy out there one-on-one and, and you, you just realize Devonte Smith is going to make some plays and um, you try to make sure other people don't beat you. You know, maybe that's the right way to go, but obviously that puts a lot of pressure on Sean Wade. If that's the way the matchups go down, I, I don't know. Um, I certainly could, could see that as a strategy and, you know, maybe that's all misdirection. It'll be interesting to get out there and watch it. All righty, man. Well, we don't want to keep you too long. We greatly appreciate you hopping on and just responding to us in general. Uh, enjoy the game, safe travels, and uh, where can everybody find your work and stuff and you want to, and your Twitter handle and stuff like that? Yeah, at Dan Walken, and uh, make sure to be on usatoday.com after the game. See, uh, see, see how it breaks down. All righty, Dan. Thank you Perfect. so much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So he was at, he's at the game right now, like in the in the press box. Mm-hmm. He's somewhere there, and, you know. Oh, technical difficulties over here. Um, Dude, we're live. Oh, we're live. You can't be playing around with your chair like that. All right, be a professional. Sorry. Um, That's better. You know, you you can tell he was a columnist. Yeah. I mean, he he's a great interview. Just wasn't gonna put himself out there, you know. Right. But that's okay. Well, I mean, as a col- the, the 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 columnists, they're not um a, they're not problem. trying to drive anything. They're no opinions. It's I Here's write the facts. way it went. I write facts, and and you read the facts, and you make your own opinions, and that's what they're supposed to do. Yep. Because uh, I mean, if you've read a piece where it feels like they're trying to shove something down your throat, you know, and you're like, I don't want anything to do with this. All right, but I want to say, well, it's just us. I don't think there's any damn way that Wade can can check 
Hell no. There was something. He's given up the most touchdowns this year in, in college football. They played six games. They played They played seven games. Or, yeah, seven, eight games now? Seven, seven games. games now. And he's given up the most touchdowns in college football. Jesus. In FBS or something. And now you want to put him on the Heisman winner that just put up a ridiculous season? All right. Before the game starts, what's everybody betting on this game? Over. Over's a lock. 29 and a half complete uh, attempts for Josh, just Justin Fields. Josh Fields is my favorite pitcher ever. <laughs> uh, to Heisman talk. For sure. For sure. Oh. Uh, here's another good one. First to be said, Dabo or Urban? Uh, it's got to be Dabo. Uh, I don't know. Hey, what's going on, man? I'd like to welcome everybody in. Um, we are working on a new partnership over with the Old Humble Distillery. Uh, what's going on, man? You want to introduce yourself and kind of talk to us a little bit? Hey, guys. I am uh, I'm Joe. Joe Breida, the Old Humble guy himself. I am the, uh, I guess, I'm the owner, proprietor, spokesmodel, uh, bottle washer, <laughs> floor sweeper at the Old Humble Distilling Company. Uh, I make all the milkshakes that bring the boys to the yard. <laughs> that's what i like to hear you make the sausage love it love it so, so yeah uh, actually that's what i've been doing all day long is uh bottling up whiskey for our next order so yeah um, so we uh i don't know how we got connected on twitter i was following you or you followed me or vice versa. <laughs> um but kind of just i was curious what what got you into the whiskey business and 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 what was the inspiration and all that well, what got me into the whiskey business was actually an accident. Uh, I didn't like whiskey about 20, oh shit, most of my life. I didn't really like whiskey much at all. Uh, and I, I was a home brewer in college. Then I went from home brewing beer to home brewing wine. And then the wine turned into wine tastings uh, because you know, I could make a five gallon batch of wine or I could go to tastings and taste a whole lot of different wines. And I kind of called that market research too. Um <laughs> And while I was at one of these wine tastings, somebody invited me to a whiskey tasting, and I had never heard of such a creature. Uh, I was not a particular fan of whiskey at the time, and went to a whiskey tasting and discovered a whole new world of whiskey that was, I mean, just fantastically delicious. The way uh, the different grains express express themselves in different ways. I mean, just the same way it is with uh, with wines. You know, different regional variants of wines. Uh, you know, Chardonnay from the East Coast and West Coast and North and South, they all taste different. Um, it was the same way with whiskey, and I absolutely fell in love with whiskey, that, you know, which is something that happens when you actually drink good whiskey for the first time in your life. <laughs> and it was right around then when I decided I was going to open up a whiskey distillery at some point in the very near future. And uh, about three years after that, I was uh, sitting in my kitchen with a buddy of mine, planning it out on, on graph paper. Uh, where we're going to put everything and how we're going to arrange it. And a couple months after that, we had stills on a boat, uh, bought those guys out and uh, moved the distillery to Humble and boom, the old Humble Distilling Company became a thing. <laughs> where do you, uh, where do you source your uh, barrels from? Deep South Barrel is where I get my barrels hmm. uh, down in Pasadena, Pasadena, Texas. Very cool. Very cool. So, I'm a big whiskey guy. I wouldn't call myself a connoisseur, but 
I do enjoy a lot of different whiskeys. He would uh, he would call himself a connoisseur to somebody that wasn't a distillery. I would call myself a connoisseur to someone that wasn't a connoisseur. Yes. So, anyways, uh, I'm a big fan of people who like to drink whiskey. I like drinking whiskey. Like so. <laughs> so, what? Uh, I mean, how many different variants of whiskey do you have? Do you do a rye? Like, you know, what all do you do? Do you just have a regular whiskey, or do you kind of branch mm -hmm. off from that? Our flagship brand is our Boomtown Bourbon. Uh, we've been working part time, pretty much since our inception up until about October 2019. Uh, in October 2019, I took the distillery full time, uh, left my uh, old job, the uh, uh, full time gig, the one that paid the mortgage, uh, <laughs> left that and was working the distillery. Then the apocalypse happened. The plan was by the end of 2020 to have this whole menu of stuff, the full time operating at the distillery and everything. Uh, you know, going five days a week with the tasting room. We decided to have an apocalypse instead. So we're still working on getting everything up and running full time. Right now we have our straight whiskey. We have our special reserve. Both of those are in specs all across the state of Texas. We have our Boomtown bourbon, which is a very, very limited supply anytime we make it. The last time we had it out was uh, November of 2019. And we had five cases and it sold out in three days. Wow. Like that. Um, so that was, I mean, that was a really good time, uh, selling all that bourbon, but it was just, wasn't nearly enough. And that was, that's not the plan for the distillery is not to make five cases every two years. Uh, right. we want to make <laughs> hundreds of cases every month and, uh, push that stuff out the stores. We, uh, you know, on the list of things that we're going to do when we're, we're more fully functional at the shop right now is a rye, a honey rum, a peach brandy, uh, a rice whiskey, a, y'all hear that yes. <laughs> something's yes. going on over there i don't know what's going on over there uh, 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 uh honey rum uh coffee liqueur uh and then you know just other stuff that we can do our our boomtown bourbon is um our boomtown bourbon is aged six to nine months in five gallon barrels so i want to do a boomtown gold label that's aged five to seven years in full-size barrels but you know, in order to be able to do a five to seven year aging on a, a barrel, we've got to have, be able to do stuff in between those right. five to seven years. So, yeah, um, we're working on we're working on filling out that capacity. Very. So, cool. what is y'all's what is y'all's current capacity? Like, how many cases do you know go through? You know, in a, in a month, how many do you do you make? Uh, at the beginning of the apocalypse, we were pushing thirty to forty through a store through the stores throughout Texas, thirty to forty cases. Uh, in the middle of the apocalypse, you know, everything dropped off the side of a cliff and like April, we went from 30 to five. Uh, and I was able to build that back up uh, through social media marketing and all the other alternative stuff that we had to do during the apocalypse. Uh, I was able to push it back up to about 10 ish. Uh, and then when we were finally able to get back into stores back in September, I was able to just jump that back up almost to the same point where we left off. Uh, we are in between orders right now. So most of the stores are still sold out. We're sending out an order on Wednesday. They'll be restocked. And then this year, I expect we'll be pushing out between 40 and 60 pretty consistently throughout the course of the year. Nice. Uh, my, our production is high. We can produce more than that on a daily basis. Uh, like uh, today, you know, just the bottling process is probably the part that takes the most. Today by myself, I was able to do like 20 cases. Uh, when I have people with me, we can do 
60, 70 cases a day. So okay. have you, have you given any thought to like when, obviously when all this shit ends, have you given any thought to like opening up kind of a storefront where people can come in, eat a little food, mm -hmm. drink your, like all the whiskey, breweries have all that. I mean, sort you of should thing, mention that part of our, part of our current plan is to have a tasting room uh, in the distillery uh, alongside the actual operating space in the distillery. Uh, and we're working on a capital plan to raise the cash for that right now. Uh, we have about 37 days left in the campaign. It's through a company with, called Mainvest. And what we're doing is we're basically issuing a promissory note of $100,000. And people can subscribe to that promissory note for as little as 100 bucks. You can get a piece of that and make income off the distillery for the next seven years. Wow. Uh, and part of that plan is a uh, steam generator to increase our capacity so that we can make more bourbon and more whiskey throughout the year. Uh, the tasting room, the office space. Uh, a distilling assistant, a marketing assistant, like fully staff everything so that we can work on, uh, you know, selling the business and running the business. Uh, yeah. and, and then I don't have to spend so much time wiping off the tops of bottles and corking bottles. Uh, I can actually be in stores and talking to you guys. Yeah. The, the reason I asked, you know, I went to Ireland for three weeks and when you were there, every small distillery had, you know, storefront where you could go in mm -hmm. and do the tasting, do the testing, all that stuff. And I thought it was really cool because, you know, the big guys have it in, in the mm -hmm. U.S., but not a lot of the small ones do. You know, they don't have that accessibility to their customers, right. which I and thought was really cool. In Texas, the laws changed in 2013 that allowed us to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to 2013, small operators weren't allowed to sell out of their store at all. So uh, coming in 2013, we were able to open up a tasting room and actually have people in the distillery uh, the challenge for a small distillery like ours is it takes when you're in the distillery doing tasting room stuff, you're not in stores doing store stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there's a limited amount that you can sell at the distillery, two bottles per person per month, uh, a certain number of gallons per year. And you, the, the, the challenge is drawing people in to the shop. If nobody's ever heard of you, they can't find you because, you know, land is cheap on the outskirts of town, but uh, people live on the inskirts of town. So, you know, it's like, how do you get people to come to your place if they've never heard of you? Why are they going to come see you? Uh, you can sell a whole lot more in big chunks to distributors to go to Specs yeah. and Total Wine and places like that. So there's a there's this conflict of resources of, you know, we want people to come to the shop, but we need to go sell whiskey. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's this this challenge to decide where am I going to spend the resources? And we're when I bought out my partners and moved us to Humble, I really focused on the selling stuff in stores because I was still working full time and didn't have time to do the other thing of, yeah. of babysitting a tasting room that's empty for three quarters of the day. But with the new shop, with the new tasting room, I'll be able and the, the people to run the tasting room with me, I'll be able to have weekly shows, monthly shows that uh, that would be like a big name that would have a cover charge type of thing. Uh a rotating artist to be able to put stuff on the walls, uh, uh, live shows that come out of the distillery. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, currently developing a game show with a friend of mine that's a, a very heavily heavily focused on the theme of drinking stuff naturally. Sounds like our kind of game. <laughs> yeah. And we 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 did a run through last night on his uh, on his Twitch channel. It's basically a trivia show. If you get the question right, you take the drink. If you get it wrong, it goes in your uh, it goes in your mug. And then at the end of the game, uh, there's a, a 
like a, a Russian roulette type of question. And if you get it right, you, uh, everybody else drinks. If you get it wrong, you drink by yourself. Oof. Yeah. So, and wow. it's only three rounds. So you may be drinking three shots. That'd be a hell of a time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we keep talking for another 30 minutes so you can like see the, the hand grenade going off literally. Inside <laughs> so I, I got an idea. We should play that game show on the show one day. And because all we need is an excuse to drink. So if you just, or you could just come on here, ask us questions and tell us to drink and we could be right. And we would never know. If the question is properly uh, worded yeah, or, uh, or appropriately uh, obscure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, by, by round three, I promise we won't get anything right. So. <laughs> do you, do you do anything direct to consumer like online or anything like that? Is there anything? Play- we do have merchandise. Can find it. We do have merchandise online, oldhumbledistilling.com. That's also where you can find more information about this capital campaign if anybody out there is interested in checking out, oldhumbledistilling.com. Uh, it's also pinned on our social medias and stuff like that. Oh, I uploaded my first TikTok video today. Oh. Uh, I feel super old. But, <laughs> uh, I even used Marvin Gaye. Uh, <laughs> so old. Anyway, but um, <laughs> oldhumbledistilling.com. We have a shop. They got hats, T-shirts uh tank tops we can't sell liquor online directly but uh we have any any sale in between two individuals or trans uh that's that's out of our hands so uh we can't sell uh and ship liquor to anybody but uh you know like my wife can (laughs) she can buy it for me uh my neighbors uh, those neighbors, those neighbors, my brother, my mom, my wife, uh, you know, um, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> might have to be in touch about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, shoot me an email, whatever. But we're in uh, anywhere in Texas, you can find us. We're in Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Fort Worth, Amarillo, El Paso. Hey, that's my hometown. Uh, yeah, <laughs> El Paso, Austin, uh, Beaumont, Corpus Christi. I mean, name a major city, we're probably there uh and you said y'all are in specs uh yeah specs all over the state we're working on other other stores we were going to be in a whole lot of more stores by the end of 2020 but we decided to have an apocalypse instead yeah well we'll uh i look forward to hopefully getting something worked out with y'all we're definitely definitely intrigued by the whiskey itself can't wait Uh, to try it What's, y'all's Twitter, what's your Twitter page? So people can... Twitter is at old underscore umble. That's also our TikTok. Our uh, Instagram is old umble distilling, I think. Uh, Facebook, old umble distilling company. Um, and on our website, there's links to all that stuff too. The, the social link down to the bottom or on the contact page somewhere. Uh, but yeah, the old umble distilling is old umble distilling.com is the website. More information is always there. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for hopping on. Um, we'll be sure to have you back on and keep keep in touch. And y'all Maybe we can play that drinking game one night. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the drinking game. Dude, that'll be fun. And, you know, yeah. of course, if we do it in the distillery, you have, to be, you have to have somebody drive you home because, you know, having that many shots in one hour is like crazy. But, man, it's, it's a fun time. It's a, it, was, it was a good game. It was fun. shot in an hour, never. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, guys. Cheers. There it is. Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses.